Welcome to The Stumbling Spirit, Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. Whether you realize it or not, you are resilient. It's your birthright. As you take in your next breath, know this truth. It's not only about your capacity to overcome difficult situations, but it's about your courage to do the necessary work to heal, learn, grow, and move forward. What you gain is invaluable wisdom. And it's through these hard stumbles in life that we often discover a new purpose that aligns with our spirit. My name is Fabio De Silva Fernandez, Reiki master, mindfulness coach, and mystical explorer. Join me weekly as the Stumbling Spirit podcast highlights the lives of extraordinary people like you, sharing transformative stories and beneficial practices of resilience to guide you on your wellness journey. Vasculitis is a rare inflammatory disease that targets blood vessels and limits blood flow to organs, sometimes causing irreparable damage and in worst case scenarios, death. Lucy D'Amatos was diagnosed with this incurable autoimmune disorder 27 years ago and since then has, in part, managed her own symptoms through diet. She now guides others going through similar health challenges on their food choices to better manage their symptoms. Lucy is a registered holistic nutritionist based in Toronto and is on the board of Vasculitis Foundation Canada. She is also a meditation teacher and a practitioner of several holistic modalities, including Reiki. Today, we delve deeper into her journey and unpack the connection between food and health. It's a privilege to welcome my friend Lucy DeMatos on the show. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Fabio. Why does food cause inflammation and why is it bad for us? There are different types of foods that are known to cause inflammation and there are certain foods that are known to make inflammation worse. So some of the foods that cause inflammation would be things such as fried foods, soda, red meats, carbohydrates, uh, such as more of the white carbohydrates, like the white rice, the white bread, white pastas, things like that. We know that there's complex carbohydrates, which our body need for energy, such as, uh, you know, sweet potatoes, brown rice, brown rice, pasta, processed foods, foods with added sugars, unhealthy oils, dairy excess alcohol um, would be some of the examples of foods that cause inflammation. I've taken myself off of dairy, gluten and sugar, soy and pork and canola oil is a big one. I'll explain that in a bit. And so my clients, I also ask them to avoid those as well. Some of the things that are good for inflammation would be, you know, healthy fruits and vegetables. So there are some anti-inflammatory herbs and spices, fatty fish like salmon, tuna, mackerel that are very high in omega-3s, nuts and seeds. And some of the oils that are good for us would be olive oil, avocado oil, and coconut oil, and even some dark chocolate. And the reason why you want to avoid foods that are pro-inflammatory is they start to make inflammation in the body. And so I'm sure you've heard of the connection of gut health, gut and inflammation. We have to be careful with pro-inflammatory foods because what will happen is it'll create issues and imbalance in the microbiome. And then there are these little sort of, I guess you could call them like little gaps, I would say, in the, in the gut. 
And what happens is over time, as we allow inflammatory foods to come in and different types of pesticides and parasites and all these kind of things, is these gaps start to open. And then as they open, it goes into your bloodstream. And when it goes into your bloodstream, then it causes inflammation on the whole body. And so the inflammation causes what? The inflammation would cause so many different types of autoimmune conditions. It causes chronic pain. Many people have mood disorders. So then there's a gut brain connection, which, you know, is another really hot topic. So it can cause people to feel, you know, depressed. Some people get anxiety. Some people have mood disorders and it's all related to this gut inflammation. The other thing too, is many people can have asthma and that could be caused from having dairy and that could cause inflammation in the airways. Other people could have, you know, headaches and not know why they're having headaches. And it could just be because they're having a food sensitivity. And so again, I look into that and we would look at gut health. I would work with the gut for these people. And then there's all kinds of autoimmune conditions that are all related to inflammation as well. And vasculitis being one of them. I can talk about this topic for hours. I love talking about food. I love talking about the effects of food on the body. I went through a very weird thing a couple of times where I had asthmatic episodes. It lasted for a few months, didn't know what it was. I went to specialists, they ruled out asthma. They thought I had something called irritated airways. I didn't know what it was. It was really freaky. It eventually went away on its own. And then I had this other episode, I say maybe a year, a year and a half after this initial incident where I was having problems swallowing and I couldn't really figure out why. And I ended up going on pantoprozole and what ended up alleviating these weird symptoms, although I don't know what the initial thing, you mentioned asthma. So that was the reason why I brought up that incident and it's still a mystery to me. But the reason why those symptoms went away was I started eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Of course, I can't say that now I'm eating anti-inflammatory diet, but I'm always conscious of what I'm eating all of the time. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because although I don't have an autoimmune issue, something happened and I really do believe it related to the food I was consuming. Mm-hmm, for sure alone, if you just stop dairy and sugar, you would notice a difference. I am almost positive. I've seen some people totally reverse their symptoms from changing their diet, just from eliminating sugar. And by the way, I have a 30 day no sugar challenge going on right now for the month of April. So a lot of people are finding that their pain is better, they're sleeping better already. And we're only two weeks in. There are so many diets out there and so many different perspectives on diet. I think it could be really confusing in terms of what to eat, what not to eat. Do you think that one diet can suit all people? No, I don't think so. That's why I really like the holistic approach because it's not one diet fits all. So it's not like if you're diabetic, then you should eat like this. If you have another type of condition, then you should eat this way. Like I'm a holistic nutritionist. And so I could speak only about myself and obviously what has worked for me at combating the inflammation in my illness. But the thing is with holistic nutrition, we get to the root cause of the problem. And so we would look at everybody as whole, as a whole person, as the individual sitting in front of us. And so it's not like, okay, you know, you have this, so this is what you got to do. 
it doesn't work that way because we're all like snowflakes, we're all unique. So instead, what we would do is I have an assessment that is given to my clients. And through that assessment, there's a series of questions that have symptoms, lifestyle, diet, you name it. And they go through this. It's a 12 page assessment. And in there, I take those numbers from the different answers. There's like a score system. And then I could see what body systems are out of balance. You know, usually it is the, you know, the intestinal system. It could be, you know, the endocrine system, which is, you know, our hormones and things like that. And then I would be able to come up with a score, see what systems are out of balance and create a personalized diet plan for that person, which also includes lifestyle suggestions, supplementation recommendations. And I even go into psycho-spiritual as well. So now we're getting somewhere, right, Fabio? <laughs> so now it's kind of like, I'm not only looking at what you're eating, I'm also looking at metaphysics too. I'm looking at how trauma, how things that we're feeling emotionally can actually manifest in the body as physical symptoms. So many years ago, this would be around 2008, I read a really inspirational book by Brendan Brazier, who is a vegan triathlete, and the book is called The Thrive Diet. But in that book, he talks a lot about acidic foods versus alkaline foods and the impact of inflammation on our bodies and health. And it really impacted me. Uh, so even though I'm not a vegan today, I had tried veganism a few times, but even though I'm not a vegan today and I don't eat a completely anti-inflammatory diet, I still draw upon that book for inspiration and it really gives me a good foundation for understanding how I should be eating and how to live a healthier life. So what core dietary principles can you share that can help us make better food choices? I guess I could start with to not complicate things just to be more simple is to avoid the refined sugars, eat less processed foods, stay away from dairy, stay away from soy, corn, especially genetically modified corn. Also those swaps. So instead of having carbohydrates, such as the white flour, refined products, like I said, the white rice, the white breads, the white pastas, swapping them for better choices. Now, because I'm going to speak on a gluten-free sort of level, then I would say, you know, brown rice pasta, a lot of gluten-free pastas on the market, they're actually made from corn. So to look at the label is really important. So instead going for the brown rice, or even they have lentil chickpea pastas, I would definitely go for those. Also choose brown rice, wild rice, instead of the white rice again, and also having less fried foods, if you can avoid it altogether would be best because there's that connection with omega-6 oils, which would raise the inflammation in your body. So instead sticking to olive oil, avocado oil or coconut oil would be best as well. So if you were looking at your plate, I always say fill half the plate with vegetables. And then I'd have another part of the plate that have a complex carbohydrate, which would be, like I said, the brown rice, the pasta, the quinoa, the sweet potato, something like that. And then I would have a protein. So protein, you can have chicken, lean chicken, fish, turkey, lamb, something like that. I would stay away from the pork if possible. And then I would have a healthy fat. So that could have, you can have a couple of olives on there. 
You can have some avocado on there. Because healthy fats we need for our brain as well. If you look at something like that, if you look at your plate and just knowing what choices to make, then it would really be beneficial. You've mentioned pork a few times. Can you explain why pork is bad for us? Yes, pork has a tendency of being a magnet in our bodies that actually would hold on to parasites, viruses, things like that. So you'd want to kind of stay away from pork because we eat what the animal eats. And if you think about the way the animal eats and how it's fed, we're actually eating that too. We're, we're ingesting that as well. So it's best to stay away from pork. Of course, your choice to make dietary changes in your life happened because of vasculitis. Can you talk about your relationship with the disease and what led you to do a complete food overhaul? Yes. So I was diagnosed in 1996. And at the time, there were absolutely, there was no social media. There was no internet. I think there was internet, but many people didn't have it in their homes. Um, it was more the large corporations that had the internet. And so this was a complete, I believe not the time I didn't know, I was led. You know what I mean? I was intuitively led because when the doctors came to me and they said, this is what you have. It's very, very rare. And, you know, go home with these medications. I had like, I was given less than five years to live at the time. And I became sort of, you know, desperate and okay, this isn't going to happen to me. I'm not going to let this thing win. I started to think about, okay, if this disease has to do with inflammation of the arteries, the blood vessels, then maybe I should look into what I'm eating. Maybe there's a connection. It was totally intuitively guided because that's how it all started. Nobody told me doctors will keep on saying diet is not going to help you. And so that's how it started for me. So when I left the hospital after being diagnosed, I went straight to the library and started researching and pulling out books of inflammation I wanted to understand. I just had this warrior attitude right from the beginning. I was like, no, 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 I, I need to figure this out. And so I started reading some books and then started to look at to where there was a health food store. At the time, there was only one back then. And so I went there. And of course, from there, you know, you start talking to people, you know, start getting contacts, people refer you to other people. And that's actually how it started with the with the connection with the diet and vasculitis for me. What changes, immediate changes did you make to your diet? And how soon into making those changes did you start feeling better? That's a very good question. Because it was so long ago, I don't really remember how long into it, I started to feel better. Because at the time, I also started to look into alternative therapies. So I started to see um, somebody who did nutritional counseling through a diet called macrobiotic diet. And so that was strictly vegan. And I also was seeing a doctor too, for traditional Chinese medicine that put me on all kinds of herbs. And I was also on methotrexate, which is a very powerful immune suppressant. So I, I'd like to say within two years, I started to feel better because I was doing the diet, seeing the Chinese medicine doctor and vegan. And then because I was feeling so sick with the methotrexate, I need to explain that methotrexate, the side effects of this medication they put me on alongside with the high doses of corticosteroid medication made me feel awful. So even though I was eating amazing alive foods, 
I was still feeling not so well because of the side effects of the medication. But I did start to notice myself feeling better. And a good way of knowing that is because my inflammation markers, which are the diagnostic tool that they use to see how the inflammation's doing in the blood, was going lower. After about seven years being on methotrexate, I hit a wall. I just didn't want to be on it anymore. And I'm not suggesting that this is the way to go for anyone at all. This is not advice. This is just my story. I hit a wall where I was feeling so terrible that I decided to get myself off the medication. And that's when I completely went very strict with diet. And that's when I started to notice change. That's when I started to feel more energy. My sleep improved. My inflammation markers were going down. And most of my tests were showing that I was improving. If you have advice in terms of how someone can ease themselves into changing their diet, what would it be? How would you start them off? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm sure so many people would like to know because it's very hard, right, to, to go into a lifestyle change. But I would say slowly with the swaps, like I discussed earlier, where you would, you know, switch up things. So instead of having the carbohydrates, the white refined flour stuff and eating the sugar and things like that, I would say to switch it. So instead of having white rice, switch to brown rice. Instead of having that white potato, switch it to the sweet potato. Instead of having the refined sugar, I know a lot of people are having a really hard time with sugar because it is in everything. But if you'd like to think it as having whole foods, their whole state, like having that apple, having that banana, having those berries, instead of having food that's processed, then you're, you know, you've won right there. But usually what I would say is it's really important to recognize that when you get off refined sugar and when you make the switch of no gluten and things and the dairy that you will start to feel better. It's amazing. I can't emphasize that enough, but I think the simple swaps to start, I think that's the best way to go. You said that in your journey, you made the decision to not take certain medications where the side effects were just too extreme for you. Do you think that had you not changed your diet that you would have been able to do that? I'm not sure. It was just a decision that I made because I didn't want to continue feeling like that anymore. And yeah, I guess I had a lot of faith in my nutrition, in finding another way, because I knew that that way, that path for me, it wasn't working. And in fact, when I started to do better after I got myself off the medication, my doctors have said, if you hadn't removed yourself from that medication, we would have never done it. So then there would have been no way that it actually was not working for me. If you were to measure how your autoimmune disorder, how vasculitis is being managed right now, what percentage would you attribute to it in terms of the symptom management to food versus medication? I would say that the reason why I'm thriving today and doing so well is all to do with my food choices. So would you say 100% then? I would. Really? Okay. I really would. <laughs> of course, this is a personal question. You don't have to answer it, but are you taking any sort of medication to manage your symptoms at the moment? Right now, I am currently in remission. 
and only on five milligrams of prednisone and nothing else. That's great. That's wonderful. What is a holistic nutritionist and how is it different from a typical dietitian? I have a lot of respect for dietitians before I begin answering that question, but we just practice differently. So a dietitian, I believe, and anyone could correct me if I'm wrong, they do take that diet fits all approach. So if somebody has diabetes, they'll recommend a particular diet uh, concept for them. If somebody needs to lose weight, then they'll be like, okay, this is what you need to do. They count calories because I've actually gone to a dietitian and have gone through the process. Whereas a holistic nutritionist looks at the person as the whole person in front of us. We don't look at you as, okay, you, you're having a headache, so this is what you need to do. Instead, we need to go through a thorough assessment to get to know the person, you know, how their habits are, how their diet is, what supplements they're taking, you know, how their sleep is, how their moods are, how their energy levels are. We go through everything about that person. We even look at, like I said, psycho-spiritual as well, because, you know, we believe in the metaphysics of things. So emotions, traumas can cause physical symptoms in the body. So we address everything, body, mind, spirit. How long have you been practicing? Since 2020. Before you, I had never heard about vasculitis. So can you maybe describe a little bit more about this autoimmune disorder and just based on your exposure in the community of vasculitis being on the board of vasculitis canada can you share what interesting things are happening from a research perspective into this disease so i think you said it best vasculitis is an inflammatory condition that causes inflammation in the blood vessels when there is inflammation in the blood vessels, it causes either a vessel to narrow, to completely close, or to develop a balloon-like aneurysm. There is no cure at this time. There's no way of knowing what causes it. This is from a conventional medicine perspective. The only treatment is corticosteroids, which is prednisone. When someone is diagnosed at first, they're put on very high doses of prednisone, and then they're tapered off this prednisone and put on immune suppressant drug, which is a cytotoxin type of drug, which is very strong. So they believe that when you suppress the immune system, that the immune system no longer triggers to attack the vessels. In terms of research, I'm not really too up to date on research. I'm starting to get more involved with that aspect by possibly getting involved with different areas in, uh, in the world. There's all kinds of vasculitis foundations and organizations around the world, and I'm trying to link up with them to hear more on their side of what research uh, has come about. Next month is Vasculitis Awareness Month. What can you share about that event to us? Yes. So May is uh, International Vasculitis Month, and I'm a director. I sit on the board for uh, Vasculitis Foundation Canada, which you mentioned. For the month of May, we have a picnic that we hold in Cambridge. It's an event where people gather, patients and families. And we have a barbecue, we have some games, and we do a walk to raise funds for uh, research of vasculitis. 
We also have some exciting events that have actually, I think, would interest everybody. Um, the CN Tower will be going red on May 27th. I'm in the process of getting the, uh, I guess, approval from the City of Toronto to have the Toronto sign also lit red for Vasculitis Awareness on May 27th. And the big one that we've never had happen before, and I'm so proud to talk about, is I got approved to have the uh, Niagara Falls, the lights over the falls. They will be lit red as well on May 5th for Vasculitis. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. You've done a lot of inner work over the last 27 years. How important has it been to connect with yourself spiritually to overcome this illness? Uh, it's been so important. When I think about how much it's helped me, it just humbles me so much. I was led to so many different modalities meditation was one of them. And I believe in the universe sending us nudges. After I had two strokes, I had one in 2005. And then I had a mini stroke in 2015, which uh, led me to not be able to continue working. And sitting at home, just sort of feeling lonely and not knowing what to do with yourself. I thought about possibly getting into meditation. I thought that that would help me with pain. And that would help me to relieve my stress. And I got involved with, it's called the Willpower Institute. It's in Richmond Hill. And I did a six month course there with them to become a teacher. And then from there, that led me into a whole bunch of other modalities. So I got into soul coaching through uh, the clear being through uh, Caroline DuPont's her name. And then it led me to Reiki, which I am now in the process of becoming a master. And how that's all helped me is made me more aware, more awakened, more sensitive to so many things. It's humbled me. It's helped me so much, obviously, with, uh, you know, my stress, stress management. Stress is a huge uh, factor in causing disease and causing flare-ups of vasculitis in particular, because that's what we're talking about. And energy healing, how much energy healing has helped me as well. You mentioned that you had two strokes. Were those strokes attributed to vasculitis? Yes, they were. Can you describe a little bit more about just the impact that vasculitis has had on your life? I mean, I could talk about the negative aspects in terms of not being able to, to continue with my career, building my career. I always think about how many people, friends around me were building their careers while I was in and out of hospitals fighting for my life. So there was the financial aspect of that. Being a mom, I got diagnosed shortly after my daughter was born. So she grew up with, you know, a mom that was in and out of hospital, very sick. And just that feeling of being a mom, I feel like sometimes almost I was robbed of that because there was so many times I couldn't be there for her. But when I think about positive aspects, I have a lot to say. I believe that if it wasn't for vasculitis, I wouldn't be the person I am today in terms of being so humble and down to earth and just, I love to help people. I have a really big heart and I appreciate the little things in life. When you think about society and how there's so much focus on, you know, we have to have a, ho a big house. We need to own a house. We need to have expense of this, expense of that, material things. There's so many rules, like so many guidelines. And I think about how when I was laying in hospital and ICU bed, I never once thought about that. All I thought about was, have I spent enough time with my loved ones? Have I said the things I needed to say? 
am I happy? That was a big one. And I still like that today. Nobody asks you if you're happy. It's what do you do for a living? It's everyone kind of looks at your status, but has anyone ever asked you if you're happy? And so I think that's how vasculitis has really has molded me differently because I just even embrace my youth. Like I love, if I want to jump in a puddle of water, I'm going to do it. If I want to play with bubbles, I do it. If I want to build sandcastles, I do it. I, I just, and I love balloons. Everybody knows that about me. I always have balloons around. <laughs> so um, in, in a very positive way, you know, it's really changed me for the better. I'm really happy to know that you're in remission. And I know that others with the same disorder or similar diseases would be very encouraged by hearing your voice. What does resilience mean to you? I think resilience means the ability to overcome adversity, to never give up. If you remember when we were babies, I don't know if we remember, but we kind of can, we were toddlers and we were learning how to walk. How many times did we get up and fall? And we would get back up again and we'd keep going. I think that resilience is in all of us. I know what's made me resilience is my strength to never, I just always had this will to never give up, to never lose hope, to always have faith. It helped me just to cope through my hardest times. And somehow I believe that trying times would pass. They always do. To me, that's resilience. What is your practice of resilience? My practice is just to keep pushing forward, to never give up, to not break, but to bend. Every day I say, today is going to be a good day. I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know that today is going to be a good day. So I always have that attitude that whatever's going to come, I'm going to be able to handle it no matter what it is. What are the benefits of having that perspective that today is going to be a good day of pushing forward? What are the benefits of that in your life? Just I have no expectations and I've learned that the hard way. It's, it makes you feel more positive. And then that way, it's almost like whatever comes, I'm going to deal with it. So there's not that expectation that it has to be this way. And I feel that that attitude's benefited me a lot. How can people contact you? They can contact me by email, lucy at healthyselfnutrition.ca. But I also have a Instagram account, Heal Thyself, and Facebook healthy self-nutrition. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing your wisdom and your insights. You're an inspiration. Thank you so much for having me, Fabio. Thank you for listening to The Stumbling Spirit, Contemplations on the Path of Resilience. This is Fabio Da Silva Fernandez. Join me again next week for another episode of Transformative Stories and Beneficial Practices to Guide You on Your Wellness Journey. If you wish, you can follow and DM me on Instagram at The Stumbling Spirit. Until next time, take a deep breath and another step forward on your path of resilience.